My name is Rashid Jamal. Um, I'm a hip hop artist, uh, alternative rap artist, and uh, I'm an Arkansas native, Hot Springs, Arkansas native. I've been in Portland uh, since April 4th, 2008. So I'm swiftly approaching 11 years of living here. Awesome. It's kind of crazy if you think <laughs> about it. But Moves quick. Yeah. Um, did you have an impression of the Portland music scene before you moved here? I didn't actually. Like, um, part of me thought that I visited here once before. What I liked about Portland was um, the what I perceived to be the diversity in thought. Because, like, uh, in 2007, I think it was like when the right before they were getting ready to have the Olympics in China and Beijing. And it was a lot of people just in the streets. Like some people were like protesting against Gaza Strip at the time. Um, it's before the recession. So before Obama got elected. So American politics was a lot different at the time. The way people thought about stuff was a lot different. Social media wasn't really a thing outside of MySpace. You know what I'm saying? Facebook was just getting started, so like people didn't spend a lot of time in comment threads or post videos about themselves like that. So a lot of people's activism and stuff like that was actually played out in the streets in real life and handing out pamphlets and connecting with people and stuff. And um, growing up, I always had a different type of mindset. I grew up with the Internet. I grew up with Wikipedia and streaming music and downloading beats and being aware of different stuff that was going on around the world. You know what I mean? So uh, when I got out here, um, I liked the quote unquote liberal, best back when liberal was like, I, you know what I'm saying? Now it's liberal conservative, it's like really whack terms. But back then it was cool to be liberal because you actually cared about some shit. It wasn't like just picking out shit to be mad about. And it was like, yo, these people are getting killed over here. Yo, these people over here are being abused in Beijing, but y'all are doing the Olympics in Beijing. What's up with that? So you had all kinds of people from Beijing, like in the streets, walking around, and then these other people carrying signs, and these other people doing this. And I was really attracted to the, the, the free thought and the way people could express and demonstrate. You know what I'm saying? That's what I liked, you know, about it. Um, um, didn't go to any shows then. Um, when I came back, um, I was I was just more so um, impressed by the fact that this is the kind of place where people jog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> it's the kind of place where people just like go for a walk and stay healthy and they eat whole grains and organic and all that stuff you know like all that stuff that's labeled as hipster but i mean it's, it's it's actually really good for you you know what i'm saying so um it's a culture shock and me being um adventurous person i enjoy culture shocks i like being genuinely like what the fuck is going on now right <laughs> you know what i'm saying and figuring it out you know and, um you know i'm a country boy man i'm i'm, I'm from arkansas like <clears throat> now my city wasn't necessarily just country like rural backwoods it's not um i come from a bustling little town but outside of that you know every direction in little rock uh, besides little rock and um, other areas like where in conway where i went to college it's pretty much like you know it's pretty country it's slowed down and you know, so it's the south you know what i mean so um we do a lot to expand our minds and comment on certain stuff but then once you get into a city 
more of a city kind of environment where you come to find out Portland's like a big town as well. It's not so much the city city feel like that. Um, I was just interested in exploring, honestly. By the time I found music, um, I didn't come into um, the music scene. And I know this is a long answer, but that's what you're interviewing me for. So. <laughs> but uh, when I got, I got introduced to the music scene through... Uh, well, I guess a few different ways, man. I used to go to people's shows and stuff and just, like, stand around and, you know, be kind of amazed with, because I had stage fright at the time when I was 21, 22. And I used to, like, hey, man, these people are, like, really brave, man, just getting up here. How do you remember all this stuff? Because I had so many songs, man. I started writing music when I was eight. I started recording music when I was 14. And, you know, I'm 32 now, but. I started recording music, like, for real, going to the studio all the time and, like, learned how to do it all myself so I wouldn't have to ask somebody for help. I could just show up. All I need is your equipment. And then I would, you know, create uh, codes. Uh, now you realize I was making codes, but I was, like, creating these codes and these uh, these batch processing uh, on this old program called Cool Letter Pro, and I'd create these batch processing where you can pretty much automate all the edits that you want to make on a, a vocal. And my vocal, I would have such good recipes for how I did my vocals. Like, a lot of people in Arkansas started using the same shit, not knowing that it was mine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that was kind of my start, like, musically. And when I came out here, I didn't have any of that background and people knowing who I am and all the stuff like that. So I was going through a self-transformation as well at the time. So um, I actually got into spoken word at first, spoken word and live music doing open mics where at the Dookie Jam with Tony there and um that's where I met Tony, I met Farnell, I met Black Butterfly, I met um <coughs> Barry Hampton Jr. I met man, so many people, man. Uh, my partner Johnny Cole, uh Franklin Esquire. And from that that's where I started to expand and meet different people and I would show up and like do do open mics, do a verse here, do a verse there. Sometimes you folks would just be jamming and you do a whole song in front of everybody, just straight improv. And um, from there, that's why I started to kind of see things about Portland. So what was, when did you first do your own music then on stage? I guess 2011. So I moved here 2008 and 2011 uh, with my guy, Cloudy October. Uh, he had released his project, uh, The Aviator's Dead, and he was on the tail end uh, promoting it. And I just met him outside of Sunday Lounge one day, and <laughs> he handed me his card, and his card looked like a driver's license. And I was like, yo, man, you gave me your driver's license. And he's like, no, 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 it's my car. I was like, wow. And, like, I really liked his name. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we hit it off after that. And uh, he's, to this day, he's one of my best friends. But, you know, he was – if I was Tupac, he was my shock G at the time. Like, he was digital underground to me. You know what I mean? Like, he took me everywhere with him and really showed me the ropes on how he self-promotes and um, how he rehearses for his shows and stuff like that. So um, I give a lot of credit and a lot of growth to my stage performance to him. And that was in 2011. Cool. Do you think that, um, like, in the Portland hip-hop scene, there's, like, a Portland kind of sound? Or Portland kind of vibe? I think that this is what people underestimate about it. Um, it's very fluid because if you look at 
you can look at five different hip hop artists and they have similarities, but they're all doing something different, whether it's how they walk, talk, dress or whatever. I think that what's signature for Portland is like high quality. You know what I'm saying? Like cats here put a lot of emphasis on the quality of, of the way they stuff sounds. And um, they really pay attention to details here. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's something that's overlooked. Um, and I, I see that across the board for like every genre, not just hip hop. Like a lot of cats put a lot of effort into like, you know, uh, the studio they go to, the the person who shoots their videos, how they release their videos. I think that if Portland had more of a hungry market for Portland artists, that a lot of people could probably really support the lifestyles um, just from having a hundred thousand hungry hip hop fans here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the kind of some of the downfalls that um, hip hop artists face here really have to do with them necessarily. Now, I mean, we can get into the semantics of that, but I think the real port, the real hallmark of something that's uh, coming out of here is like really um, for the best of them, a high level of originality um, and thought. And then um, very, very, like, well-executed quality. So do you think, I mean, do you think, do you think that a hip-hop artist could survive solely on their music here in Portland? Mm. I've tried several times. Um, eventually, you got to go out of town, you know, um, and um, really much more so for now because a lot of venues have been closed down. Like a lot of venues that, and that hurts everybody. That doesn't just hurt hip hop guys. Like that hurts everybody. Like um, Keller's Olympians, like one of them joints that's like really just stuck it out and like continuously, you know, just service their audience um, and their crowd from the bar side and restaurant side to the venue side. Um, and they've held on to they to they joint. Um, Jack London Review is a jazz spot um, that has a capacity that I think it would be crazy. It would be crazy to have a hip hop situation going on down there. But downtown is kind of falling victim to that urban blight movement across the country. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's really not. Um, man, I'm not really scared of a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? But it man, I could be with two of my other friends who bigger than me, and we feel off being downtown like that. Downtown's not a safe place. I mean, it's been a lot of people getting killed, shot, stabbed, just dying, shot by the police, car accidents. You know, just crazy craziness that happens down there now. That you know, they ain't, they ain't necessarily you know. Let's say I throw a show. I don't want to bring my girl down there. You know what I'm saying? Like. I don't, I don't want my girl and nobody I care about, and not to say I don't care about my fans, but nobody I feel responsible for their lives. I don't want them being around or shit like that. Homeless people all over the place going crazy. They don't know, you know what I mean? Like, these people really need help. And it's like, you know, it's it's cool to put up a post about them, but, you know, like, how do we really get to help these people so that it really makes the overall environment better instead of just leaving them out here to rot? And, then, you know, man, it's been plenty of times I'm – leaving a venue downtown and it's just like I walk about myself man, I ain't scared but it's like 
this is, folks is like linked all the way out, like like damn near dead on the ground. Like I don't know if you overdosing or just sleeping. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's it's that's just not cool, fam. You know what I mean? So, um, <clears throat> on top of a lot of venues and clubs closing and different things like that, that you know, it's it's very difficult to like say, okay, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna make you know five grand this month. I'm gonna make five grand this month. I'm gonna make ten grand this month. It's not there. <laughs> it's just not there. And then no all age venues. It's not there. So you got to go out of town, and you have to sell online, and you have to sell merchandise, and you have to set up a business model that will allow you to do that. You know, and as an artist, that's not always, really, it's never what you want to think about. Like, what kind of business model am I running, and how am I going to do this marketing and this 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 and actually have real legitimate fans and not just buy followers and buy comments and buy bots that are gonna you know boost your perception in the intention market like what about the actual money market like how are we how are we gonna do this you know like it's hard to make a living as a uh strictly as an independent recording artist in portland you know just because i don't know what everybody here is really focused on you know you said it earlier you know what i mean um you said that kind of the whole purpose of this was say it say what it was that there's sort of all these isolated pockets of different music scenes but there's no sort of concentrated like this is the portland music scene there's no one sort of joining together and sort of standing up for yeah sort of music scene and it's just like real kind of extant kind of thing that goes on because there's really nothing that people in portland rally over um especially now that like the you know um gentrification it affects everybody not just black people you know what i'm saying but it affected black people the hardest because they got moved from where we are overlooking northeast portland out to gresham and i noticed the decline of downtown with the gentrification because downtown used to be popping when black people lived over here. It, like you know what I'm saying? North North Portland, Northeast Portland because they're like, Okay, see we going downtown, we're gonna have a good time. And you know, that people spending money over here that fueled a different type of attitude, it fueled a different type of culture. And then at that time there were more people that wanted to hear that. But when you have kind of the flavor moved out to Gresham and it's like Who's going to Gresham to do a show? But bro, I'm who wants to go to Gresham to promote a show and then do a show in Gresham? Not to disrespect Gresham, but it's like who wants to drive to Gresham? Like and like I don't I don't I don't know, man. You know, it's it's great that we got that radio station out there, but Well do you think do you think there's been a concentrated effort by like local government to sort of shun that scene out of downtown or do you think that just yeah. sort of comes along with the gentrification? He used to be in the newspapers yeah <laughs> like you know what I'm saying like it used to be in the newspapers it was in Vice Magazine it was in fucking BuzzFeed I was in the BuzzFeed article you know what I'm saying like you know uh, the I think the most well known situation was the, the Blue Monk show where they ran in there on the Immaculate and Mikey Vegas and Hanif and uh, I forget who the other brother was that was performing that night, but you know the next weekend they did the same thing to us at Kelly's Olympian. 
you know like we had a sold out joint it ain't hard to sell out kelly's olympian but we had a sold out show you know there was a x amount of money i planned on making that night and the police department ruined that by telling people they couldn't come to the show so yeah i had direct experience with the fact that the local government didn't want us promoting any kind of hip-hop like it didn't matter what you was rapping about you know what i'm saying um but what that show was the strength of what we had going on the kind of bad part about that is that uh we didn't unify and push back harder you know we didn't unify and push back collectively um i don't think folks really never really dealt with that and especially like at this point in american history where hip-hop is the biggest genre um it's diluted now but it's the biggest genre so like you know it's like man what are we gonna do civil rights for hip-hop like bro i'm gonna just go to la <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's what a lot of people did man i'm going to la man i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go to houston i'm gonna go to atlanta i'm gonna go to new york i'm gonna go to oakland you know what i'm saying i'm gonna go somewhere where they already they already listen to this you know what i'm saying instead of trying to convince portland people that y'all need hip-hop just because we here so yeah that's another thing that made it difficult you know because that it sends a signal and even subconsciously or whatever people started to shy away from you know hip-hop well do you think too i mean portland obviously has very racist roots do you think yeah. some of that is still just yeah direct result of you know portland's history sort of yeah because attitudes essentially yeah behaviors are learned attitudes are ingrained you know what i mean i i you know just in my work life and different stuff like that like i've dealt with all kinds of levels of discrimination and bias and all the five dollar words we could throw around that amounts to man you racist bro you know, no matter how bad it hurts your feelings, you're racist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, do you think that do you think that underlying tone is also sort of pervasive in the audiences that go out to see music in Portland, even if they're not kind of aware of it, you know? Nah, man. Yeah. Actually, you know, like, um, you know, it's a predominantly white audience here. Um, they cool though like for the most like i've gotten all kinds of support like supporters are supporters you know what i'm saying um but what it turns into is you have to back off of being offended as a business you have to back off of being offended and you have to like look at the demographic and you have to look at what what's really going on right what you have is um several different people have different cultures there may be certain stuff that people in my audience they do or people that's not in my audience there's like a certain thing that you're interested in like for instance like on our phones like we get hit with all these algorithms and now it's like to the point to where you think of something and you pick up your phone and you're seeing an advertisement for it you know what i'm saying i don't know what kind of sorcery that is but it's crazy you know what i mean but it's keeping you locked into like what you're interested in and what you think about to pretty much everything you're kind of getting. I don't know if this is reality and this is where it gets. I don't know if it's reality changing. Like we went through some kind of portal or something like that and didn't know about it. And we woke up one day and it's like this, but 
what I've come to realize is all that shit from the secret and all that shit, whatever you think about, it starts to manifest in your life. And I've been seeing that a lot. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> a lot of times, man, most people don't hear nothing about hip hop the same way most of my life growing up. I didn't hear nothing about Alice in Chains. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I ain't hear nothing about, you know, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, I heard Red Hot Chili Peppers, but, like, I didn't listen to their music because it wasn't something that was culturally relevant to where I was. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, like, there may be people who know me, so they fuck with my music, or they heard about me, or they just like hip-hop every now and again, but they're not necessarily somebody, like, I'm a fan of Alice in Chains, Right. But I wouldn't necessarily go spend $50 on a ticket to go see Alice in Chains. I'd rather just listen to Alice in Chains and let my friends know, oh, yeah, hey, man, I like, I like this shit right here. And they, hmm, really? Yeah, man, it's just tight, bro. Like, listen, like, listen to what he's saying, man, because I'm a fan of songwriting. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm really a fan of songwriting. So, like, I appreciate good songwriting and the use of melody and instrumentation because I want to try to get more of that in mind. But... It's not culturally relevant to somebody in Hot Springs, Arkansas to be listening to Alice in Chains. You know what I'm saying? You're more likely, when I was growing up, to be listening to Juvenile or, uh, you know, A-Ball, MJG or UGK or something like that. Like, that made more sense in a cultural relevant sense. So, like, whenever the radio's promoting Alice in Chains, I probably got pretty much blinders on. I don't even hear that. You know what I mean? But whenever Twister's coming to town, like back then, you know, now it's more like probably if... Jay-Z is coming to town, and I'm like, oh, shit, hey, bro, let's go to the Jay-Z concert, fam, you know? So I think it's a lot of that, you know? Like, now, exposure is another thing. So I have yet to meet anybody who's or speak to or hear about anybody who got exposed to my music who didn't like it. You know what I'm saying? So then you remove your emotions from the situation, and you be like, well, okay. If somebody from Korea... You know what I'm saying? If you're a Korean immigrant, I'm not going to expect you to be in tune with hip-hop like that. Not American hip-hop, maybe K-pop, something like that. But, you know, it's kind of doing things that are culturally relevant and kind of really getting away from the mainstream medium. I'm not trying to sound like a hippie either, man, but it's like the mainstream media model of it's the law of, law of large numbers. If I put this in front of 20 million people if i know for a fact i'm putting this in front of 20 million people i'm getting at least 500,000 of these people's money <laughs> you know what i'm saying and that's what makes them important so like you know if you can get your music the more people you can get exposed to what you do and the easier you can make it to get exposed to it the more people you reach and maybe you will convert people over to your way of thinking and listening to your sound and oh man I like this man this kind of caught me off guard but it's it's interesting man because it's really about what people like and it's really about what people are already into and you know it's really hard to tap into a certain audience here now because they've been migrated yeah well I mean in that sense then do you like so before I moved here around the same time you did actually mm -hmm. I lived in Vermont <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's about the same, <laughs> but, thing, but, you know, but cold. Like Burlington, Vermont is a small town. It's like the college town there. Okay. But there's like three music venues in town. 
which means that you get these bills on a Friday night where it's like a hippie jam band mm-hmm. followed by like a huge horn funk soul band hmm. followed by like a live hip hop thing. Okay. And since it's the only thing sort of going on, everybody's like going to it. Yeah, they go and support it, you know? And so I thought like existing in that for so long coming here, it was so weird to me that like those bills don't exist at all. You know, yeah. sort of cross cultural bills. I've done I've done those, man. Those are the funnest ones to do, actually. Like they don't happen they don't really happen enough. Um but I've had probably some some of my funnest shows have been those cross genre shows. Yeah. Like just cause you get a it's just a different kind of energy. Everybody appreciates one another. Yeah. And maybe it's the lack of competition that makes that happen, you know, because you get a bunch of hip hop. Yeah. And like everybody's trying to outdo each other, and that can be fun too. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't necessarily have to be competitive, but you know, you kind of carry yourself a little bit different when you get around guys that are um, in a different genre, just because their mind is somewhere completely other other than, oh man, we about to fucking kill this shit tonight. Everybody's gonna remember my set. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But even if they do feel that way, it's cool because they're doing them, and you're in your own lane doing your own expression. So like. I think that's why those things work out best, in my opinion. You know what I mean? But they don't happen as much here. Um, it is weird, man. It's kind of like this strange level of absence that on the part of the musicians. I'm one of them. I'm probably, you know what I'm saying? I'm probably the leading cause. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the sense of absence um, from just constant participation. But it's hard to participate constantly when your choice of venue is so limited. Yeah. Well, so, like, you played Pickathon last year. Yep. Was that a noticeably different crowd for you? Mm. <clears throat> I, did a, uh, I did a show at the Auditorium, like, last, it was, like, January of 2000. No, it was December of 2017. And I did a show at the Auditorium. That's where the Danny Warhols uh, have the kind of like musical headquarters yeah, yeah. down in the Pearl. Yeah. And now nah, that was like the whitest shit I've ever done in my life. Like that shit was uncomfortably white. Like that shit felt like I was, fuck, I don't even want to say that. I don't want to offend nobody. That shit was fucked up though. Like I was mad and motherfucker. Like I was like really mad about that. Like, like the guy that had me to do that, man, it was like, it was a few reasons I was offended by that show. It wasn't, it wasn't the offense that I had. It didn't have nothing to do with the audience, honestly. And then nothing to do with the Danny Warhols, nothing to do with the auditorium. I think that shit is dope. I want my own version of that. You know what I'm saying? But like the intention of why you were there. It's the intention of why I was there. Uh, what I was doing there. The fact that hip hop didn't have no, I had no fucking business rapping up there that day. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, like I still made the best of it and walked out in the crowd and like, was like shaking people's hands and looking at folks rapping all the people's faces and shit. Oh, you're having a good time, you know what I'm saying? But that was like the most uncomfortable, you know, upper middle class white audience that don't know shit about hip hop. Like the lady that introduced me said my name wrong and said, you know, Jay Z has nothing on him. And I was like, what? What? That's what? What? So <laughs> that shit was rough. So like Pickathon, it was like, nah, it wasn't that bad, man. The 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 hardest thing about Pickathon was uh the allergies, my allergies, man, and all the dust and the horses and the hay and the the grass being kicked up and the dander from people's dogs and shit and like 
yeah. it just got really hot at certain times and I couldn't breathe because I was congested. But I'm still like in the middle of a hour long set. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I'm trying to catch my breath and I'm thinking I'm bombing like the whole time. I was like, you imagine yourself drowning in water and fighting your way to the top. Like I was drowning in the 808s of my music, you know, if 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 that makes sense. So it's like I'm on stage sweating like hell. All my dreads are wet. I got sweat in my eyes. It's fucking hot. Like it's like fucking 95 degrees in there. Everybody's in there bouncing around and like it was it was a good time. You know what I'm saying? But you know I had a good time at Pickathon. You know what I mean? I don't really. I don't really mind like having a huge white audience because I'm not afraid to say what I'm gonna say anyway. Yeah. Like y'all are here, well shit, you already here. You should win somebody else show. You want to hear somebody say something else, but I don't necessarily have a. I don't always use my platform to try to preach against certain stuff. Sometimes I'm gonna just have fun and talk my shit, and you know, especially during my shows, if I have a moment where I want to say something, then I do. But. um there's more, how can I put this? There's a lot more going on in my inner world than my relationship to white America. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that in the quest to be understood and then also just get a level of equity and a level of um, understand that I'm human too, that um, the quote-unquote black community in America, we've been trying to educate people for a long time as to how we suffer and how we feel and the different levels and nuances and the way that it affects us over time to the point to where <clears throat> I know several times when I get approached by the media or talk to the media, um, at some point that question is going to come up, you know, and it's really asking, how do you feel about white people? I had white friends my whole fucking life. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, grew up in Arkansas. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some of my best friends was white growing up. I had a lot of gay friends. I had a lot of girlfriends. I had a lot of, you know what I'm saying? Everything in between. Like, full-blown childhood. Like, my first friends, like, one of my homeboys, he was light-skinned with freckles. <laughs> He's a black dude with freckles. I had two friends like that. One dark, one dark skin with freckles. One light skin with freckles. Another kid, he was like chubby kid. A little black girl named Federica, who was my first girlfriend. And then my homeboy Wawa. He was a first generation uh, Vietnamese immigrant. And then Khan, my man Khan Doe, he's first generation. Like when I was two and three years old, he's like my first friends. I remember them. I still talk to them to this day. You know what I'm saying? So. I, you know, like racism ain't my problem. It's it's my problem because other people bring it to me. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, sexism, classism, all those things. I've never really been in a position to tell somebody, no, you can't have that job. No, you can't do this. No, you can't marry that person. No, you can't move in over here. No, you can't, you know, get this home loan because of this. You know what I'm saying? So there's so many different layers of where I guess trying to pinpoint oh, how does it make me feel to perform in front of a room full of people like this Shit, fuck did you pay me yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like am I here for free or am I getting paid because if they cheer and they like that shit and they want me to do some more and then they want to buy something else from me you're a satisfied customer 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? As long as I don't get disrespected, you don't get disrespected, you don't feel disrespected, cool. You know, that's how I look at it at this point, you know. What sort of motivated you to stay away from the stage for the past year or so? Um, personal stuff, you know, personal things. Um, I've had quite a few close deaths in my family over the past two years. Um, I don't really want to talk about that, but... Um, <clears throat> but I've so had not something. No, I've had like I've had like seven or eight close people. Well, not seven or eight. I'd probably say five or six close people pass away over the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just other things that go on behind that, but I mean, a lot of it's like kind of grief, you know, mm-hmm. like really grief, and it's going in and out of just really not wanting to fuck with people like not you know like you feel you don't feel good you know what i'm saying and you don't really want to be around people like that you know and put on this happy face or put on the intense face or put on the the melancholy face like i don't feel like being around people right now like at that capacity and like having to keep up that level of communication right now i just don't want to do that and it's not like i'm missing out on like an extra hundred thousand dollars a year when i do it at the time right now now a year from now that might be different <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like okay well i don't give a fuck how you feel you better go get this money that's different well in that you sense know, though but <laughs> would you say other than money what do you get from performing uh, good sense of release yeah. i have a lot of energy like you know a lot of a lot of energy so like i like to i like to use it because if if you don't use it it's kind of like uh when you eat a lot you know you got to get rid of it you know what i'm saying you eat you got to go to the bathroom so i think that energy is the same thing you know exercise and good conversations with people having a sense of belonging um and then also for me writing recording and performing um they all give me this renewed sense of balance and then also connecting with um a wider audience of people a wider audience of people and um really uh this kind of feeling that camaraderie when you know people like what you do like i like that you know i i like it when people come up to me and say yo man that's a good show man hey 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 fam i saw you perform it da, 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 da. yo keep going man and it's like people tell me that like somebody stopped me and fred meyer the other day yo man i'm one of your biggest fans man i was like oh shit really I'm like man you see this because <laughs> you know i've been so shut in lately you know but it's been across the board it hasn't just been music like it's been like you know, I had a month or two where I was telling people, hey, man, don't ask me about no music, man. <laughs> don't ask me about no music. Don't ask me to do no songs with you. Don't ask me to do no shows. Don't, I don't want to do nothing. Like, I almost quit, you know. And that's what grief will do to you, you know what I mean? So I've been taking, I've been taking my time and really just wanting, wanting what I do to count. Cool. Do you consider yourself a Portland musician? Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Goddamn right. If I'm not, who is? <laughs> yeah, man, because I didn't work with some of everybody, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I ain't work with you, like, I've I, I been around and I kicked it with you. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I really sat down with you and told you something trill about your stuff, man. Like, like I'm not, a, I pride myself on not being a hater. And if, and if I am a hater, it's for a good reason. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I try to find a reason to like everything, even if I don't like it. Not everything, but you know what I mean? Like, I try to look at both sides of the coin as much as I can. So 
yeah, I'm a Portland musician. I'm an Arkansas native too, so I'm an Arkansas musician. You know what I mean? Like the world is way bigger than the, the you know designations we give. You know, I'm an earth musician. You know, I'm playing the instruments, but <laughs> I'm really good at songwriting and composing uh, full length projects and stuff like that. So yeah. Do you feel like Portland has a direct effect on the kind of music you make? Yeah, because I got a fresh start here. You know, I was young. Shit, man, I was 21 when I moved here. You know, my dad had just passed away when I was 20. Um, um, I didn't do well in college. I wasn't a good college kid. Um, and so when I came out here, I was really trying to find myself and rebuild myself into this idea of who I had and I didn't realize how much time and how much effort and how much the day-to-day of that journey would be but it's 11 years later and you know in a lot of ways I'm the same but in a lot of ways I've changed so do you think if you were somewhere else if you were in Oakland or if you were in LA that you'd be making different music yeah I think it's because of the environment I think like uh, <laughs> Portland is a place of delayed gratification. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Portland is definitely a place of delayed gratification. So I think I, I really think the level that I'm making music right now, just the projects that I'm working on right now, um, I don't think that if I hadn't come from the combination of Arkansas and live in Portland and be in Oregon, where both places don't necessarily have a centralized music scene. They don't have uh, just like this robust history of creating stars. I think that it makes people like them cats in the early 90s was and and in the late 80s when like you had Rakim and Grandmaster Flash and KRS and Public Enemy and you had like all these groups that was coming out and you had different people that could rap but there was only certain cats that was like really getting on even though they all in the same circles, you know, while they own and run DMC is running the world. You got people in Queens that they're making their music better and better and better and better and better. And they're making projects that you can really sink your teeth into and dance, you know? Um, so I think that's, that kind of feeds it. Cause it, it, if I was in Oakland, I would probably definitely still be making some, some cool music, but it would probably have more of an Oakland sound. You know, um, or I would kind of take in mannerisms of people from Oakland because that's where you live. That's what humans do. We adapt to our environment. L.A., <clears throat> I think that I've never been to L.A. So but from what I've heard about L.A. Um, and what I see in L.A. is um, everybody's trying to get on. Everybody's it's Hollywood. Everybody's trying to do something. Everybody's getting ready to be somebody. Everybody is, <laughs> you know, what I mean? even if they're not. So. I think that that would at some point rub off in the music and I probably would have tried to start making some type of club song just to go crazy in the club and do that. Um, And then at the same time, I probably would have tried to make more introspective music. But um, L.A. is like from what I hear, it's pretty uh, shark ridden territory. So, you know, you got to be careful. But what I like about Portland is like the very open minded what I got from here when I got here. Never mind how it actually is, but when I got here, the full impression and what I took on was this place is open-minded, this place is outside the Bible Belt, this place is pretty safe for the most part, 
and this is a place where it's big enough so that people it's small enough to where if you know you know a decent amount of people you're pretty cool everywhere you go but then it's big enough to where you don't have to have people in your business all the time you know what i'm saying and then with social media doing what it's done now um you can kind of project this image of yourself like Batman and shit. And, you know what I'm saying, everybody can, you know, it's one of those small places where, like, people might recognize you if you do something consistently over a certain amount of time. So, like, yeah, I think it it definitely has because that quality aspect that I brought up earlier, uh, you know, when I was growing up, cats used to rap over the top of their vocals during their shows. Like, like they just rap over the song and just get up there and do their thing. But, like, you know, it's extremely frowned upon. You know, from the time I got out here, like it's always been frowned upon to rap over your vocals. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's something that, oh, wow, okay. So, like, that changed me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, the sound quality thing, you know, I used to record a lot of my music at home, but my equipment wasn't up to par with what other people have been doing stuff with. And once I started going to a different studio and paying for studio time, automatically that completely changed the game for me. So, yeah, Portland has definitely uh, affected my affected my music. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. Do you think that if you were sort of blindly flown around the world um, and didn't know where you were and walked out onto a stage that you didn't recognize, uh, and let's just suppose that you didn't know anybody in the crowd, yeah, do you think you would know you were in Portland if that's where you were? Uh-uh. Nah, man, because, uh, nah, nah, I don't think so. That sounds really fun, actually. Like, yo, that's, that shit sounds re- retardedly fun, honestly. You know what I mean? Like, imagine that. Like, we need a TV show like that. Like, yo, that would be tight. Like, we should pitch that to somebody where, like, you just get this this guy, you know, you grab somebody like me and, like, a couple other acts and have Red Bull or somebody sponsor it. And we just do these pop-up shows in somewhere. And it's like thousands of people there who don't know what they're going to get. We don't know who we're going to see. We're just going to hop on stage to perform. Like, you end up in Zambia. You end up in <coughs> Indonesia or Singapore. Like, these little places where people like music, but don't nobody ever come. Like, that would be crazy. Like, that would be incredible. But, my bad, back to the question. Um <laughs> If I knew I was in Portland, um, nah, man, because, I mean, Portland crowds are always different, man. Like, I mean, like, literally over time, like, I, you know, th- there's people who come to shows on a regular basis, <laughs> people that come to shows on a regular basis. But there's also always somebody different in the crowd who I ain't never met before. Always. And, like, they know all my shit. And it's like, when did this happen? Okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. You know what I mean? That's what's up. How do I get more of this to happen like this? Um, Portland, Portland, Portland usually has like pretty diverse sensibility at the at at shows, you know. Uh, but I think the 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 I don't know, I don't know, man. Like, if I pop up on stage in Oakland or New Orleans or somewhere that's more that has a larger uh, so-called black population, then 
you know, I probably have a lot more fun or I might not have a lot more fun because they might not want to hear what the fuck I'm talking about. They might want to hear something like bullshit. They might want to hear something like uh, uh, Young Dolph or like they might want to hear like Young Thug or little Baby or, you know what I'm saying? Something like that, you know, like there's going to be a demographic of people that like what I like, that like what I do, but they might not like my music. They 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 might be more in tune with like the auto-tune trap kind of sound, you know what I'm saying, where that's what they listen to, that's what they fuck with. So, I don't know, man. Like, as long as I'm in front of an audience that's listening, that's attentive, and they put their hands up when I say so, and scream when I say so, and for the rest of the time, they just have a good time, I'm happy, you know? That's... That's pretty much what I had to come to grips with. You know what I'm saying? Are there things about scenes and other music communities that you wish were happening here? Mm. To take a note from Oakland, I know that Oakland people support Oakland artists because, like, they 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 really like that homegrown feel, and like they like there's a there's a level of exclusivity that. I've heard about over the years that Oakland has for their artists. I wish that that was here, you know, but that has to happen naturally. Yeah. Like it has to be like generations worth of that happening naturally. And it kind of seems like um, Portland is fighting to become, uh, you know, from a tier one to a tier two city and then eventually from tier two to tier three or, yeah, whichever way it goes. I think that tier three kind of go to tier two and then get to tier one. Um, and then that happening, you, you're you going to lose a lot of soul. You know, you lose a lot of soul. Um, and that's kind of what's – it's in, like, this weird prepubescent phase. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you're, like, 11, 12, 13 and shit and, like, you start finding hairs in places you didn't know you had them and you start having feelings for that girl you always thought was ugly and – she grows titties and it's like, ooh. And when I, oh, hey, Caroline. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Portland is kind of, in my opinion, in that, sp- in, in that space. And it's not good for us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's good for people who are like into development, real estate development. And it's good for people that are, uh, yeah, it's good for people in real estate development. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and banking, <laughs> and banking, and so then our tech companies and would you say you're startups. Pessimistic about the state of? Nah, I'm not pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic. No. I, I, I just think it's. I think I've seen a lot. Like that's really what it is. I've seen a lot and had a lot of good conversations with people. And I just, I'd rather see it for what it is or what I want it to be. You know what I'm saying? But it's not pessimism because I know that. You know, being an artist is like being a superhero on some level because you can put out some art and change the direction of stuff. Like, you never know, man. One of us might put out something so dope that it has it hits a light bulb in somebody's head up here. Like, you know what? I think we need to do this, you know, Um, and that would be cool. You know what I'm saying? But if it doesn't happen, you got to go on the road. You know what I'm saying? Um, You go on the road, you you get. you get other people talking about you in other places and then when you come back you know uh i've seen it happen for a lot of people when you come back around that's when you start selling out shows and that's when but then unfortunately what happens at the same time is by the time everybody here catches on 
the person who got caught on to was like, okay, well, I'm ready to go back over here because, you know, I can't, um, I won't be able to sustain myself just staying here. So, well, so as someone uh, who you feel like you occasionally get recognized around here and you see yourself as a Portland musician, do you feel like you have like a responsibility to? <laughs> to sort of support or fight for the music scene here i've done it like i've done it though like that's there's there's been a lot of like kind of behind the scenes little things that as an artist like a lot of times i'm the only rapper there (laughs) you know what i'm saying i'm the only rapper there and then i'm also not a quiet person in the room either you know what i'm saying so um, I think I've done my part. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, bro, like, there's only so much stress I could take on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've definitely done my part. You know what I'm saying? From a personal level, and then from a like a trying to get involved in the behind the scenes of all these other people that people don't know live here, and sitting down with them and talking to them about stuff, and they have connections with different people. They can do different stuff. But at the end of the day, it's also a money game. You know, it's a money game. And, you know, I keep bringing up money because, you know, that's what the fuck capitalism revolves around. You know what I mean? Like, we want to be so avant-garde that we don't realize that, yo, man, if, if, if you was making a million dollars, it's different. So, like, uh, <clears throat> it's a money game. Like, the music industry in general, like, you can hop over so much shit if you just had, you know, $250,000 liquid do whatever you want to do at that point you have a tight budget and you know use it correctly and you can skip over all types of shit like it doesn't even matter you know what i mean it don't, it don't matter who you're performing in front of at that point because you know i have marketing dollars i have market share power i have you know the ability to put my song on the radio and you know fifth and 12 markets you know i have the ability to you know fly over here and do this interview you know, pay for the promo, pay for pay for promotion. You know what I'm saying? Put myself in front of all these people, and then you know, use the other tools that I have to put myself in front of that. Whoever hears this, take notes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But a lot of times, like in the music industry, it's the label that's giving you that money, and then they give you that five to ten percent advance, and you spend that money, so you owe that automatically. And then, you know, the list goes on for expenses and. Now, you know, the uh, album comes out. It's time to pay that money back. It doesn't do as well as we thought it was going to do. So, you know, now you're kind of at the mercy of the label and at the mercy of the people to what's going to happen with your career. Are you ever going to put out anything else if this doesn't work? And that's the gamble that you take as an artist that doesn't have uh, any anything to negotiate with. You know, you sign a contract and it's a wrap. So... You stay independent, you know, you, you got to find your own money to get out there and do your thing. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's a that's 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 really what it's all about. Honestly, like if you had enough money, you could put billboards up on Burnside Bridge, on the Max, on bus stops, on people will know who the fuck you are. But are they interested in what you're doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 interesting man like when you really think about it it's a lot of problems that are easy to solve you can make the hit record but then do you go back to making the record that you that you like to make you know what i'm saying you got this one record that's going crazy 
but then you follow up with something that's from the heart and people don't fuck with it so now you know you're back to doing some other you know what i'm saying like it's it's just really weird man like it's, it's so many fixable problems but then it creates other ones potentially you know what i'm saying so you know that's that's the way i like to look at it but i think what's 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 always cool is like you know stay true to who you are and stay true to what you believe in and that that honestly uh is the biggest that's the key that's the key if you want longevity and have people that really support you like you know you take the long road you know i think kendrick lamar even though he signed to uh aftermath um and he was signed to a label before that <clears throat> with tde and they were signed to a different distribution uh deal uh they took the long road like they really like made substance they made music of substance for years and years and years and then once they got their look they didn't change the formula they kept doing what made it what made it happen um but when you're independent and even with them like you know you want to make that transition you know you're ready to you know kind of see more and see more um return on your energy investment you know sweat equity you know, and also money, like, you know, the equipment doesn't, studio time and wardrobe and promotions and all this stuff, like, all of that costs something, you know, because you look up and you're 40 and, like, fuck, what the fuck have I been doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, not really pessimistic about it. I'm just, like, very, like, I'm a realist, you know what I'm saying? But I'm also creative, but I'm a realist. So it's like... um. I've really taken my music. I've gotten it back to a place of where it's like it's an emotional investment for me when I make it. But then I'm really just kind of focused on making projects that are like coal ass projects. So then when I'm 50, I can look back on my artistry and be like, yo, I made these 10 albums, 12 albums, and they was all dope. And like nobody could ever say my shit wasn't tight. Um, and then I also made some money from it. You know what I'm saying? But I probably had to make my money over here somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's kind of what it is. Right on. Um, I think that's pretty good, man. Thank you. Um, it's a good question. All right. <laughs>